All right, well, thanks for your giving. And uh, I told, I went down to Jessica, I'm like, do you have our checkbook? I forgot to grab our checkbook this morning. Hopefully I didn't forget too much else um, this morning. We made it this far, all right? Do I remember my name? Yes, I do. How many fingers are you holding up? Too many. No. Uh, good. Well, like I mentioned, we're going to uh, conclude a series this morning that I've entitled Proven. And, uh, and today, we're going to be looking at this idea, there's a proven formula, um, a missionary formula that I'm going to kind of unleash to you. It's not new. Um, it's something I learned many years ago. Um, but uh, I pray that it'll be a challenge to you. We started our series talking about uh, that it's proven that Jesus has and is and always will bless missions and a mission's heart. Because a mission's heart is really God's heart. And that God's heart is for people. And as we look outside of ourselves and are looking for opportunities to be a blessing to others um, outside of us, that God blesses that. And the result is not only that those people are blessed, but there is a, a blessing in spiritual health. Part of our spiritual growth and part of the cultivation of uh, growing in the Lord, there, there needs to be a missions portion um, in that. Week two, we talked about the miraculous nature of missions. And if any of you have ever been uh, participated in a missions trip or uh, you know, really stepped out, there, it's proven that there's a partnership with God and that God provides supernaturally, miraculously. Um, I told a story last week in church about uh, Pastor Pale, a retired minister that lives in, this, in the Tri-Cities area. Um, and I told you how he had gone uh, to get his car serviced and went around the counter to, uh, to pray for an individual. And, um, and uh, they came back two days later, and the guy said, I don't know what you did, but, uh, but when you prayed, uh, God healed me, and that pain that I had been experiencing was gone, and it hasn't come back. And uh, I told you about that, and it kind of inspired me. I don't know if it inspired you, but I was at a friend's house later um, uh, in the week. I, what day? It must have been Monday or Tuesday. Um, I went over to, to Les's house, and he's a guy that I bike ride with sometimes. And it was late. It was after a meeting, so it must have been uh, Monday night after the outreach meeting. And I, it was already late, but I thought, well, I'm going to go by and see if he's there. And sure enough, he was there. He was with his daughter, and his daughter was on his shoulders. And I kind of walked up after I parked. They got a long parking or a long driveway. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, man, I, I've had better days. I said, oh, wow. And uh, immediately, I remembered the story that I told just the previous day in church. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, God, this is an opportunity to be a missionary right here with a friend. And, uh, and so we talked a little bit, and he's been out of work, and he's concerned about his unemployment continuing. He's been working at a local bike shop a little bit, but it's not providing. And he's been worried. And, and uh, um, and he's just, he just was discouraged, and, uh, and I said, before I left, I said, man, can I pray with you? <laughs> and, uh, and I've never done that uh, with, with him. And he said, man, that'd be great. And so I just you know, put my arm on his shoulder. The very next day, he calls me, and he says, I don't know what happened last night. He said, but today, a guy that I had fixed a couple bikes on the side, um, he came and he, uh, he offered me a position that might carry me through the summer. 
and uh, doing some design work and some things in the field that he's skilled in. And he says, I just want to say thank you. And I was like, wow, it really works. And, uh, and I, we shouldn't be surprised, but um, it was really neat. And so there is a miraculous nature when we get outside of ourselves where God steps in. It's him. It's God. It's not us. It's partnering with God in his provision, and it's pretty exciting. Then last week, uh, I guess I'm not sure when I talked about this uh, my notes aren't making sense. But anyway, last week we should have talked about living missions-minded. It's the best way to live, period. And uh, we talked about looking at the unseen versus the seen. That we, we, So many times our, in our culture we try to grasp the things that we can get a hold of, the temporary things of this world. But God's Word says, look, um, what's unseen, the things that we can't see are eternal, they kind of cross over, and that's what's really important. We looked at David's life and, and Paul's life, and, um, and we said that, uh, that you know, Paul was in Philippians said, that I may know Christ, and he had a deep desire to know God. David was known as a man after God's own heart, and if we're going to be missions-minded, it starts with hungering and thirsting after everything that God has for us, that God wants us to be cultivating a relationship with Him. And out of that, there's no question, we, we don't even have a choice. We're going to be missions-minded. And so that's how we, uh, what we talked about last week. And then today, we're going to talk about this proven formula, something I've learned years ago. You may have heard it, you may not have, but the result is guaranteed. It's proven success that if you follow three simple things, that, uh, that there's guaranteed success. And, uh, and so let's just pray and ask God to open our hearts to these, to these thoughts. And, uh, and I'm just wondering, um, uh, Jessica, will you just stand and pray? and ask God to help me this morning. I know you've been praying all morning. She didn't really want me to come to church today. <laughs> I said, I can't miss it. This is too important. And, uh, and she's been praying, and boy, she's been a great caregiver. She, um, she was, well, let me just tell you, go ahead, sit down for a second. <laughs> she was strawberry picking up north, and uh, we could not get a hold of her. And uh, in the ambulance when I came to, I gave them the wrong number because uh, I couldn't think of her phone number. And uh, once we got to the hospital, I, I remembered that Melinda uh, Fisk works there. And I said, well, if you, if you know who Melinda is, Melinda can get you Jessica's number. Because I just couldn't remember it. And they got a hold of you, Melinda, right? Which was kind of cool. But anyway, Jessica's been great. She came in and she was just bawling and crying, thinking the worst. And really, it could have been worse. But, um, but thanks, Jessica, and, uh, for taking care of me so well. It's like, this is not the first time this kind of thing has happened. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't understand why, uh, uh, why it happens. But, and Jessica said, it always happens on Saturday. I wrecked my motorcycle last May, totaled it on a track. And some of you don't even know that. And I, because I didn't really want to share that for a long time. And, uh, but I totaled my motorcycle on a Saturday. For those of you that were uh, playing football with, with me, uh, flag football, I busted my eye open on a Saturday. Stitches, my eye was big. It's like, okay, Lord, help me out here. But anyway, Jessica, why don't you... What? Have someone else pray? Okay. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. This, okay, this is my friend Dave. We've been loving you this week. I, was just, I hope uh, you're doing okay. I'm doing fine. Good. He lost his mom last week, and uh, we uh, buried her on Wednesday. 
Yep, but it was a, a, a celebration. It was. Uh, a memorial. Some of you were there. It was very terrific. But uh, this morning, I want to pay, pray for our pastor. Thank and you. That, uh, that he'll uh, be strengthened. And you know, it's really bothering him. He can't stand up. It's driving him nuts, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just stay there, okay? I will. Or I'm going to bop you again. All right. <laughs> in love, in love. Mm-hmm. Father, we just come to you this morning. Yeah, we need you, God. We need you, Lord. We're thankful for a pastor that you kept him safe through this, yep. through this accident. I pray this morning that you put your arms of love around him, comfort him. Praise God. Lord, give him peace. Bless Jessica and the family. Just comfort them, Lord. We know that uh, you have uh, your best for us. We just pray this morning you would bless Pastor. This, this sermon means so much to him and to us. Just bless him. Help him, Lord, to get through this sermon by the inspiration of the precious Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That, Lord, you could minister to the hearts here and to every soul. I just pray this morning. Minister, I pray, to Lord our shepherd. Bless him now and comfort him. Strengthen him. Take any pain away. Thank just you, bless Lord. him and always keep him safe. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Love you, Dave. When I was in high school, I loved to play basketball, and one of my favorite coaches of all time was Coach Little John, and I've talked about him before. He was a man that was nothing but little. He was very tall, African-American man, but he imparted into me uh, a desire to do things well, and, to, and he really, the, the couple years that I played with him, uh, my skills increased significantly. Um, one of the things he would always say was perfect practice makes perfect. He was always like, forget practice makes perfect. He says, perfect practice makes perfect. And the idea is that when we would practice, he wanted us to do things right. He wanted us to follow the right, uh, the right do the same thing, whether we're shooting free throws in our form or dribbling or we're doing layups or we're playing defense, uh, passing drills. We wanted to practice the way that we wanted to do it in the game. And I kind of latched onto that. In my desire to succeed, I was always competitive, still am competitive by nature. I was challenged by the thought that perfect practice makes perfect. A couple years before that, I was challenged with a similar thought with missions. I remember the very first time I heard this formula that I'm going to share with you this morning. Three simple things to do. I was challenged in a similar fashion in junior high, and I was thinking back, that's been like 17, 18 years now, so I've been living more of my life now uh, with, trying to live with this principle than I was before growing up. But I've tried to live missions-minded using this formula. Now, before I tell you the formula, um, I want you to know that as we've talked about missions over the past several weeks, that the Great Commission from Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, which I want you to turn with me, we're going to read that. This Great Commission from our Father, Jesus, is not an option. We are obligated to do what it says in Matthew 28. Look at what it says. It says, Then Jesus came to his disciples. This is right before he was ascending into heaven. It says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
And I am surely with you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When you look at those few verses, it's really a capstone of the three years of ministry that Jesus had. He's finishing up, he's been crucified, he's risen again, he's with his disciples before he's going to be taken into heaven. And what's on his heart is for us, his disciples, to go and to make more disciples. It wasn't an afterthought. In fact, it's probably one of the most important things that Jesus shared with his disciples. Commission them. And you know, if you studied the disciples, that they took it to heart. And they went out, and many of them gave their lives for that, uh, for that cause. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it really wasn't a new thought. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to live and let your light shine before men. And when you think about the Great Commission, the everyday commission that we have, it's letting our light shine wherever we are. Letting our candles burn, like we talked about last week. Now, I love the fact that among us here at the Gateway Church, that God is giving us a growing desire for missions. I see it in some of your faces, and I, as we've talked over the last few weeks, and as we've talked about knowing God last week, like David did, and, and uh, having this desire to, to get to know God even more like Paul did, you, I know that that's growing among us, but I understand at the same time that there's this desire, but there may be this question of how can I make a difference? Or can I really be missions-minded? Or could I really make an impact? You may look at others that are around you that, and say, man, boy, that's Steve. He can really, he could do it. And I, I see talent and, and gifts in him, but man, I'm, I'm lacking what Steve has. Or there's that Jonathan character, boy, you know, he could really do it, and, and, but, but me, I'm not so sure. Sandy, now Sandy in the back, you, you've got it, but, but boy, you know, do I have what Sandy has to make an impact, to bring in a, a, a daughter like my, boy, you know, I'm not sure, could I do it? You may be envious of someone else, thinking that someone else could do it better. But last week, as we ended our service, almost 100% of you stood saying that you wanted to know God more and that your heart would grow towards missions. And I believe it's God's desire for us, for you, for me, to be advancing, to be conquering territory, not only personally in our lives where we are touching people, but corporately as a body of believers as well. And I want to tell you how it's done. It's three simple things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, a proven missionary formula is you first, you pray. You pray. You're praying for the lost praying for your heart to grow, and we've been doing some of that. But at the same time, as you're praying for the lost, I believe that we should be praying for those who are called to reach the lost. You say, well, why, is, why do you start with prayer? Well, the fact is, is that Ephesians 6 says that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities, spiritual forces of darkness. And there's never a time that you're attacked more when you get outside of yourself 
and try to make a difference. And as missionaries are doing that, they need a prayer support. And as you are getting outside of yourself trying to make a difference, you need prayer support. And so the first thing is to pray. And the great thing, and I said it, uh, um, the great thing is that Matthew 9, 38 tells us what to pray for. It says to ask the Lord of the harvest for workers, to be praying for more people, to have a heart for missions, to go, to be an example, to make a difference, to light a candle in a dark world in their areas. And the, the, uh, there's some practical ways that we can all do that. There's a promise that comes with that, and I, I think I mentioned it in my prayer earlier, but it was, I said it wrong. Matthew 18, 19 says that anything we ask for, it will be done. There is power in prayer. I don't care if you've just given your heart to the Lord or if you're a seasoned veteran Christian. Your prayers are important, and to be praying for the lost, praying to, for those that are called to reach the lost is so important. Practically, we, we provide some ways for you to, 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 uh, to do that, some tools. One of the ways is um, through prayer cards. When missionaries come, I want to encourage you to take those prayer cards. We take them and we post them in our kids' rooms. And every night, we pray as we pr- do our nightly prayers. And almost every night, we're praying for one of the missionaries. Or we, sometimes we just do a blanket prayer. You know, we pray for all the missionaries. But that's important. In your bulletin each week, we highlight one of the missionaries that we support. And uh, we do that to keep it in front of us. This week, it happens to be Phil and Lisa DeMusto. We're praying for them this week. That happens to be Jessica's um, youth pastor and his wife that were called out of uh, ministry in Kalamazoo over to Singapore in the Philippines. And uh, they're doing an incredible job. And so we do that. We also have this wall of support out here, um, a missions wall with a description of each of the families, each of the ministries that we support. I want to encourage you to take a walk down our our wall, read a few of those each week, and pray for those missionaries. They need it. And not only do they need it, I believe that you need it as well. And as a church, you know, Jesus, when he was in in his ministry here on earth, he came into the temple and they were selling all kinds of stuff and he cleared the temple. You guys know that? And after he did that, he said, look, this temple is to be a house of what? Prayer. And it doesn't say just it's to be a house of prayer. It says a house of prayer to the nations. And we need to be praying for the nations. We need to be praying for the lost people all across the world. And so the first thing is to pray. A proven formula. It starts with your prayer life, with the prayer life of the church, And then the second thing is that we need to go. Now, I want to warn you that the second aspect is contagious. It's infectious. The everyday commission that we've talked about from Matthew 28, 19 is not an option. We need to be going. But as you start to go or as you continue to go, there's something about it that makes you want to go again and again, and again. Look in with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, says this. It says, how then can they call on the one, this is talking about those that are lost, how then can they call on the one 
who they don't believe in, if they haven't heard? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? The fact is, is that there are people in our lives, in our community, that have never heard the name of Jesus. My Lynn, a couple weeks ago, your friend Chris gave his heart to the Lord. And after church, we talked about it. He has never had an opportunity to give his heart to the Lord. He didn't have a Bible at his house. We gave him a Bible, gave him some tools. And the, the, the reality is that not even here in America has everyone heard. And then you multiply that by the nations and, and across the world. We have a responsibility to look outward and to be uh, missions-minded, outreach-minded. We need to go not only locally, and we're going to be doing some things in this fall, and we're going to be looking. Uh, we talked about it as, a, as our outreach team met this last week. Uh, we're going to be partnering with Love in the Name of Christ, a local ministry that is making a huge impact, but giving you opportunities right here um, on the lakeshore to, to make a difference. Things that you could do on a weekly basis or maybe once a month or certainly quarterly, things that we can partner with, with Love, Inc. On the state side, we're just in a couple weeks, a bunch of us are going, 18 of us are going over to uh, Flint to make a difference. Uh, on the state side, our, some of our youth will be going to Detroit this summer uh, for the Detroit AIM. And of course, we partner with Chi Alpha and some other ministries um, on the state side. And then I believe we're also supposed to go foreign, to go overseas, to make a difference in a land that we don't understand necessarily. We have to learn the culture. And we have some folks that are from the foreign countries coming here. And really, the Mockermans have been missionaries to this group of individuals, teaching them English, right? But making a difference, saying, hey, follow my example as I'm following Christ. And you're impacting these, are they all ladies today? Uh, and, and you're impacting their lives in a supernatural way. Last week, I told you my mission story. And I'm not going to repeat it for the sake of time. But it started off with youth group volunteering, you know, giving away gloves and scarves in Detroit because uh, I grew up on the east side. And uh, it kind of grew to my first missions trip. And after I was on one missions trip, I wanted to go on another one. And I went the next year. And, and from that time, it just has snowballed. And every other year or so, maybe even more, I've been out of the country um, doing something because it, it's something that has been burned inside of me to go. My wife, Jessica, before I met her, she had been on three missions trips. We met on a missions trip, and then she went even two more after that before we got married. It was her heart. It's contagious, isn't it, Jess? When you get a taste of missions, you get a taste of doing something overseas, it is incredible. Now, the reality, like we've been saying, is that each of us must go. One of the individuals in our outreach meeting this past Monday said something that gave me goosebumps when he said it. He said, it's not good enough for us, each one of us, to say, oh, we went to a great missions church. Each of us are part of this church, that you would call this your church home. It's not good enough that we, are, as a church, are doing something for the Lord. Because when we stand before the Father, they're not going to say, well, what church were you a part of? Oh, the Gateway Church, you're good. And that almost sounds silly, but the reality is that 
Each of us will have an account. Each of us are responsible. How did we spend our lives? What did we do? What did you do? Each of us. There's personal responsibility. So there's this formula where the first starts with prayer. Then we go. And the third is that we give. And there's a biblical approach to giving. God's word is very clear, I believe, about tithes. In Leviticus 27.30, it says, A tithe of everything from the land belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. So the first 10% of anything that we would receive comes back to the church. It, it comes back to the place where you're being fed. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2 in the New Testament says, in, uh, On the first day of every week, uh, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, keeping with his income. The idea is reflecting. It doesn't say a tithe there, but it's the idea that when you have an increase, you take a portion of that and you give it back. Of course, Malachi verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8 is uh, one of the most popular places we go. The question is, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, it says. It says, but you ask, how do we rob you? And the answer is, in your tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. And verse 10 tells us what to do. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to contain it. So you start with a tithe. But then one of the things about Christianity is that we as believers don't stop at a tithe. We have the privilege of giving an offering as well. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you believe that the hallmark of Christianity should be generosity? that we should be generous people giving above and beyond. I believe that. And so we give. We give above our tithes. And when we talk about missions giving, that would fall in the category of offering. Our missions giving is part of our offering. And at the Gateway Church, we do something that we call faith promise giving. In Romans chapter 10, verse 15, we just read verse 14. It says, how will they know unless, uh, unless someone is... Um, or it says, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then verse 15 says, and how can they preach unless someone is sent? And so we give to missions so people can go and tell the good news. And at the, at the Gateway Church here, our missionary support, and we put on each of our uh, chairs a list of the, the, the people, the organizations that we are supporting on a monthly basis, the 20 plus, 22, 23, I'm not sure how, exactly how many at this point, but they are um, blessed because of faith promise support, faith promise giving. In fact, the faith promise is the principal channel through which we fund missionaries who are fulfilling the Great Commission in places where we are not able to go. And so you give in a faith promise, and I'm going to explain what that is, 
And that blesses all over the world. A faith promise is a sacred agreement between you and God to be a conduit through which God can channel resources. I want you to imagine yourself as a conduit. And what's a conduit? It's a, it's a, a cylinder that uh, stuff can flow through. <laughs> um, let's just think, you could be a straw, you know, you could be, you know, if you drink a, out of a straw, you might get a little bit. But you could be a conduit, maybe a you know, half-inch water pipe that you know, can flow a lot through. But I'm saying, man, if I'm going to be a conduit for what God wants to do in my life, I want to be a ginormous uh, uh, conduit. I'm saying, bring it on, God. If you give it to me, I'm going to get it. You'll get it through me, all right? And it's a sacred agreement between you and God to be a conduit through which God can channel his resources. I believe God is looking for individuals. I believe God's looking for families. To, he's looking for ways to get his resources through you, through people, to reach the nations. I believe that. And the reason we call it faith promise giving, there's two parts there, a faith and then promise. The faith is your willingness to be a conduit, to say, okay, God, I'm trusting you. You can work through me. If you give it to me, you'll get it through me. And the promise is, is recognizing that God will honor your faith. God will honor your faith that you will release what he provides. So as God increases in your conduit, will you give it back? That's the promise. So it's a faith promise. Now what isn't a faith promise? A faith promise giving is not First of all, it's not a vow. It's not like you're signing on the dotted line and someone's coming after you if you don't give. It's not a vow. It's also not calculated giving. It's faith giving. It's not what you can figure out in your budget to, to be able to give, to squeeze out of your own budget. Instead, and it's not really what you think you can do either. Instead, it's what you believe that God wants to do through you. Let me say that again. It's not what you think you can do. It's what you believe God wants to do through you. And for, like I mentioned, for the last 17 to 18 years now, I've participated at some level or another in a faith promise pledge um, every season of my life. When I met Jessica, we started to do that together. And it's grown. The very first faith promise I made, I was in, uh, uh, went to Brightmoor Church um, in Detroit growing up, and I was in junior high. And there was a guest speaker. His name is Rick Pasquale. Some of you guys know him. Um, he uh, was the youth director for the state of Michigan. And he came to our youth group and talked about Speed the Light, which our youth participates in um, a little bit here. And he came in, and it was uh, this campaign. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, uh, if you give up a Big Mac, you can give $2 a week or something. And I don't remember. There was a catchy slogan to it. But he was challenging every student to give $2 a week, to give up a Big Mac a week to give to missions. Well, like I mentioned before, I've always been real competitive in nature. And I said, well, if God will bless $2, I'm going to double that. 
And so my very first faith promise was $4 per week to give to Speed Light Missions. Now, at 13 or 14 years old, um, that's a lot of money. Now, I, granted, I had my own little uh, lawn business on the side, and so I had some income that w- was coming. And what was interesting, that as I started to give, it was fun. And I not only was able to give $4 a week, I blew that out of the water, and I gave a ton of money to missions in, in, in my junior high, in my eighth grade year. And it was pretty cool to see what God did. As I allowed God, I'm saying, God, if you provide it, I'll give it. And uh, it was pretty supernatural. And from that time, like I mentioned, I, we've given and we've participated in this idea of a faith, your willingness to be a conduit, and the promise, recognizing that God will meet that faith, he will, he will honor your faith, and that the promise is that we will release what he gives back. Now, I want you to know, and I don't say this prideful, um, but for us, our faith promise pledge has become our largest bill, <laughs> so to speak, um, per month in our, in our, in our finances. And this last time we, we did, we, we stepped up again uh, six months ago, and uh, I didn't know how we were going to do it. Um, and, uh, but God has provided again. And God is so faithful. He, if he can get it to you, if, will you allow him to get it through you? You say, well, why do you use this principle, this faith promise? Because this is probably, to many of you, an unfamiliar uh, type of concept. I was talking with some individuals uh, this past week, and if you're from different churches, different things like that, maybe you didn't do a faith promise, or you never, you were not familiar with that. And why do, you, do we use this principle? And then why do we ask that every single believer would participate to be involved? Well, I believe it's because, first of all, it's proven that a faith, partic- a faith promise participation will produce a blessing for you and your family. You say, well, why is that? Well, the reality is that as you give to missions, it's different than giving to a local church. Because when you give to the local church, it provides air conditioning and lights and, you know, paint and, you know, the decor and your kids' programs. And there's some benefit that you receive. But when you give to missions... There's nothing in that giving that comes back to you unless God's word is true, which it is, by the way, that God will bless you in return. So there's nothing in it for you unless God steps up and gives back to you. So that's an important piece. Another important piece that you say, well, it's proven that it produces a blessing. Proverbs 11.25 says that a generous person is or will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. He who blesses others will be refreshed. Why faith promise? And why do we ask for 100% participation? Not only will you be blessed, but the second reason is because faith promise provides the appropriate means for missionaries. It's proven. The sole support and livelihood for most missions Missionaries comes from people like you. It comes from people like you. On the last Sunday of each month, we bring in a missionary 
uh, or a missionary organization, and we try to bless them. We try to pick them up for faith promise support. We do that by your giving. Your giving provides their soul support, their livelihood in most cases. Their living and personal expenses are covered through faith promise support. Their housing allowances are covered through faith promise support. Foreign taxes, medical expenses, special insurances are paid through faith promise support. Their cost of living for most missionaries that we bring, it's usually a four-year commitment out on the field. The cost of living for those four years is covered through faith promise support. Their children's schooling is covered through faith promise support. Transportation is covered through faith promise support. And not only that, they have to raise on top of their own expenses, their ministry expenses to do the work once they find themselves in a place. And that covers is covered through faith promise support as well. Do you get a picture of how that works and how you have a part in those missionaries' lives making an impact? You say, why faith promise support and why do we ask for 100%? It's not only because of the blessing that comes to you. It's not only because of the support for missionaries, but I believe that faith promise participation is a proven way in which the whole world can and will, I believe, hear about Jesus. It's proven. I was reading in a missionary journal this week, and they were speculating that there is enough money in the hands of evangelical Christians to evangelize the whole world right today. There's enough money in the hands of those that would call themselves a believer, that if they were conduits to give to out, that the whole world could be reached today. But the fact is that within even just the Assemblies of God, that only 50% of churches in the AG last year gave anything to missions. That is scary. And what's interesting is the AG is known for their missions, and so you think of those churches outside of the, of the, of the assemblies of God. The reality is that not every church is the same. Not every church understands God's word and his principle and his heart for missions. But I want us to know deeply God's desire and to participate in a mission's nature. And so we give. We give through faith promise. The question is, how will God's word reach the ends of the earth? I believe it will happen through 100% participation to faith promise giving. And we're going to be challenging uh, one another to do that. You may never be able to go overseas for maybe medical reasons or just schedule reasons, whatever the case, but you can give. And the reality is, is that because of that, pr uh, we can pray um, we can pray, and then we can go, and then we can give, and it's this, it's this supernatural formula where God blesses. And I want to encourage each and every one of us to pray that the resources of the world beyond our control would be loosed for the cause of Christ, that we would stretch our faith, 
that we would not just be comfortable maybe with the promise that we've made before or with the commitment we've made before, but that we would be stretched. Now, I want to make it personal to each and every one of us. Do you believe that God wants you to be advancing and to be conquering territory right where you live? Do you believe that God wants to provide uh, and to have impact through your life? If you say yes to that, the reality is, is that you may be doing okay in one of these areas. When you say, well, where's my heart today? What am I doing well out of this pray, give, go? I might pray okay, but man, I haven't really got outside of myself so well. Or you might give real well, but you're, you're saying, well, I, I really don't pray a whole lot for missions. It's not that you can pick and choose out of those formula. The question is, are you willing to pray, to go, and to give, to let your faith work, to stretch it, to exercise it? See, the reality is that with free throws alone, when I was under Coach Little John, there was about five different things that he made sure we did every time we'd shoot a free throw. We had to line up our feet in the same way. He said it's always good to bounce the ball two times. I don't know why, but we did two times. Then he said you spin the ball and line up your fingers with the grooves. That was the way he taught us. And then you line up and you come through, making sure your elbow is, is good. You like that road rash there, uh, by the way? And you come through, and you're not finished once you release the ball. You follow through, and you watch it till it goes in the hoop. I don't know, how many things is that? Four, five, six things? And the reality is, is that if you miss one of those steps, after you've practiced it and honed in on that drill and on the, reality, on the way to throw uh, a free throw, that if you miss one of those steps, you get out of sync. And the chances of you making that shot become less. And I believe it's the same thing with these three pieces to this formula. You can pray. You say, well, I, I'm going to pray. I'm really going to pray. That's what God's called me to do. Well, no. You can pray, but God's also called you to go. And you say, well, I can go, but, uh, but man, I, I really don't have time to pray or, or I don't have the resources to give. No. You can go, but you, God's word also says to give. You say, well, I can give and let someone else do the work, but I'm certainly not going to go. That's, that's not my calling. No, God's word says to pray, to go, to give. And you combine those things together, like you sh you're shooting at the free throw, those different steps, and consistently you're going to see success. It's proven. You need to do it. Now remember, we don't have a choice. We're not called to pray only when we have extra time. We're not called to go only when it fits our agenda. And we're not to give only out of our excess, right? And our motivation for these things doesn't come out of pity or out of persuasion or because Pastor Ben said to do it. It's not because we're looking for a blessing to come back our way. We do it, our motivation comes from God. And for the motivation is his kingdom, that the ends of the earth would know that we'd be reaching more people, our missions minded. 
And so I'm going to challenge each and every one of us over the next two and a half weeks to ask God to be speaking to your heart about these three areas. And there's a verse in the Bible that says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I want you to taste and to see, to give it a shot, to pray, to go, and to give. In Malachi, it says to test God with our giving. But I believe we can test God in our prayers. We can test God in our going. And we can test God in our giving as well, in our tithes and in our offerings. And I want you to to be stretched. And I, I don't want you to be comfortable with what you've done in the past. I want you to ask God, in light of this idea of of missions being a proven area that God blesses, to in the proven, the miraculous nature of missions, proven that it's the best way to live, and many of you responded. Now I'm asking you to take these three things and to take them to heart and apply them in your own lives and with your own kids to pray, to go, and to give. Again, this is not something that I've created, but it's something that I've learned and participated in for years. And God has blessed. This week, in the mail, before Sunday, you will receive in your mailbox a little note from me that will include a faith promise card that looks just like this. And some of you have made a faith promise in the past, and some of you have uh, never made a faith promise at all. But what I'm asking is that every single family would participate at some level with a faith promise. I'm going to challenge my board that every single one on my board, certainly those on the missions board, they, it's a requirement. If they're going to be on the missions board, they, they need to make a faith promise. But I'm going to ask every single one of us to prove God. There's a, some uh, information out on the table if you want to take this week. It says, what is a faith promise? And you can read through that if, if you want to do a little more digging about that. But when you receive this, next week, which is the 20th, and then the 27th, we will be receiving these in our morning tithes and offerings. And basically, you'll read it. You'll, it says, as God enables me, I will help to take the message of Jesus into all the world by giving through the missions program of my local church. And you can make a weekly pledge or a monthly pledge, and then there's a part that you rip off, and you keep that, tuck it in your Bible, put it in your desk, put it wherever your checkbook is, and you remind yourself of what the promise that you made. Now, again, it's not a vow. It's not something we're going to come after you for, but it is exactly what we've said. It's a way for you to partner with God to say, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be a conduit for your blessing to flow through. And I'm going to challenge each family and each young person as well to do just that. And I believe that as we do that together, we're going to reach, and we're going to see the vision that God has given us as a church fulfilled.
And we're going to see God's word taken to the ends of the earth. And to me, that's exciting. I'm going to pray that God would open our hearts that this week as you receive that, that, that it'll be on your hearts, on your mind, and that we would do something incredible together. That we've, we've talked about the miracle year that we're experiencing here at the Gateway Church. And I'll tell you, part of that is a missions look. Jess, why don't you come and uh, play? Um, just it doesn't matter what you play. But um, let me pray. And then I want to come back and I want to also talk about um, the fact that there may be someone here today that doesn't know Jesus. And if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to, to ask Jesus into your heart. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. We're asking, Lord, first that you just open each of our hearts, each of our lives to your plan, your will for us. And God, I pray that you will burn these three ingredients to pray, to go, to give into our hearts and that we wouldn't be able to get away from it. And God, that our faith would be stretched in this season individually and even corporately. God, that you would do something great within us. Lord, thank you for providing. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that these next six months, from July through December, would be the strongest missions-giving months that this church has ever experienced. And I ask that not for our glory, but for your glory, Lord. I also pray that in the next six months that there will be individuals that will get outside of themselves and will go, whether it's locally or stateside or even foreign across the seas. But God, that we would go and that we would live the everyday commission to make disciples. And God, I pray that these next six months from July through December, that there would be a prayer that would rise up from individuals that would be praying for the nations like we've never seen before as well. And God, that you'd place it, burn it in our hearts, a desire to reach the lost, that we would not be satisfied with the lostness that is around us wherever we go. And God, we'll give you the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name. Now, if I could have your eyes for a moment. If, if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, that sounds good. That sounds exciting to pray, to go, to give. But man, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. That's where it really starts. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to just surrender your life to him, to say yes. See, the fact the Bible says is that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us here that is 
safe. Because one sin, even one sin, will separate us from the love of God. So if you've sinned once, if you've lied once, if you've stolen once, if you've cheated once, if you've, whatever the case might be, just even one time, unless Jesus covers that sin, you're guilty. But God's grace is so good, he provides a way for you to experience his salvation. And it's as easy as admitting that you're a sinner, which we can all say, yep, that's me. But then we believe. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and believe that he rose again. And then we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you do that, you're saved. Jesus takes your sin and removes it from you. He takes it as far as the east is from the west. And he forgets it. He puts a robe of righteousness, the Bible says. And so when he looks at you, he doesn't see the sin. He sees you as perfect. I often say we don't deserve that, and we certainly don't. But it's the love of the Father that he gives it. And so this morning, with your head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, if you're here this morning and have found yourself here at the Gateway Church, and you say, man, this was a surprise. What am I doing here? Didn't expect this. But if you're here and you're away from the Lord, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and would like to receive him, I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. And we're going to pray for you. If that's you, just slip up your hand saying, yep, pray for me. I want to know for sure that Jesus is my Savior. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Who else would say, that's me at this moment? I want to know for certain that Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my God. Am I right? You're left. I'm looking over here. Anyone at all? How about in the center section saying, yep, that's me. If I were to die today for some reason, I don't know where I'd spend an eternity. And again, on my left side, you're right. Anyone else over here? All right. There was one young lady that raised her hand. And for her sake and for our sake, let's participate in the miracle of God's forgiveness. And I want to lead you in a miracle prayer. And I want us all to participate, especially um, the one that raised her hand. And it's not the words of this prayer that save you. It's believing the words in your heart. And so let's do that together as a body of believers. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins and come into my life. Take away my sin as far as the east is from the west and make me whole. Thank you for dying on the cross and for raising again. And thank you for providing a way that I can live with you forever. I'll do my best to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. You know what the Bible says is that when one person 
gives their hearts to the Lord, gives their heart to the Lord, that the angels in heaven go nuts. They go bananas. They throw a party. And so even right now, when one comes back to the Lord, kind of like the, the story of the prodigal son, when the son comes back, the father throws a party, the same thing is happening for you this morning. And, uh, and we could talk after, Jen, and uh, as we continue to ask God to work in your life. That's wonderful. Praise God. Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning. Last week, I mentioned a, a piece of this missions idea being proven is that we need to be hungering and thirsting after God and everything that God has for us, to have a heart after God, to know Him. And uh, I want us to take an opportunity. The worship team is going to sing a song or two as we close. And uh, I just want to encourage you not just to bolt out of here, but spend some time in His presence. You may want to come forward and pray. And uh, ask God to give you a heart after His heart. And then I want you to be thinking and, and challenging yourself with these three components to what I call a missions-proven formula to pray, to go, and to give. And what would God be asking of you in regards to his praying for the lost and praying for the, those that are called to reach the lost? About going yourself, the personal, your responsibility to go to go where you, in your neighborhood, where you work, stateside, foreign, and then in your giving with your faith promise pledge that we're asking 100% of you to participate in. What would God be doing? And so I'm going to say a closing prayer, and we're going to worship the Lord together. And uh, I just want to challenge you just to consider those things as we leave today. And then tonight at 5 o'clock at the McNeil's, it is going to be a blast. Lots of games, different things to do for the kids. Um, a chance just to sit around. We're going to have a fire going. Bring something to throw on the grill. Don't miss tonight. You're going to have a blast. It'll be a lot of fun. And especially for those that are newer to the church, um, I want to challenge you. Come. And I'm looking at you, Doug. <laughs> I want to invite you personally. But no pressure if you can't come. But, uh, but we would love for you guys to come and uh, to be a part. Adam, we want you there. We want, you, we want all of you here. It's going to be a blast. It'll be a lot of fun and uh, to grow in relationship. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I think that that's an important piece to our spiritual growth. Let's pray. And then let's just worship the Lord. You're dismissed whenever you feel uh, released to do so. God, we ask that you would just impart into us as a body of believers your heart for missions. And God, I thank you, God, that you are working all things uh, together for your good. And God, that you still use us, your people, to make an impact. And God, I just pray that you just impress in our hearts a desire to know you more, to deeply understand who you are, and to experience everything you have for us. At the same time, I pray that you'd give us a desire to pray for the lost and to pray for those that are reaching the lost, as well to go ourselves, a personal and then to give, to give beyond what you, we could even imagine. Lord, what would you do through us? Wow. God, I pray that you would just do that 
and we'll give you the praise and all the glory. And Lord, now we worship you as we challenge ourselves in these areas. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen. Let's worship the Lord together. And you're dismissed when you feel like you need to go. God bless you. Goodness.